Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We bless your holy name, the name that's high above the heavens and the earth. Thank you, Father. Thank you that we serve a God that is living, alive, <laughs> and above. Glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Therefore, we win all the time. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, Lord, I ask you to open up our eyes to see better than we've ever seen before so that we can get on board with your plan, your will, your commands, your desires, Father. Let us not be ignorant any longer of the devices of Satan or of our own intellectual devices, Father, that it's become common because it's how we've operated all of our lives. But God, you are a God who said, I will awaken you, shake you, purge you, cleanse you, turn you around. But we have to have open hearts to receive the working of your spirit in our lives. Now is the time. Now is the time of salvation. You're telling us now is the time to awaken, to see the revelation of the Lord so we can see the hand of the Lord operating, how it's operating in order for us to be on board spiritually and naturally, Father. Thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy that has not allowed us to be taken out before we awaken to your spirit, Jesus. Glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Now, God, I ask you to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And praise the Lord. Okay, at the end of the service, I'm going to uh, recognize um, a Black History Month with, with a reading. Okay, we are in Titus, and I thought I was going to end Titus 2 and, and begin with Titus 3, but no. <laughs> it's so much stuff in Titus and these verses. We, we stopped at verse 10 last week, so we're picking up at uh, 11, 11 through 15. So uh, Titus 2, 11 through 15, and the title is The Grace of God, The Grace of God. Amen. So um, I'm going to uh, read these few little scriptures, and then we'll go back and review some things out of, out of the beginning of 2. And it says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, or another word would be age for world, which would be the time that we're living in. Looking, and the blessing is that the time that Paul is talking about doing that time parallels with the time that we're living in today, okay? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, his own special people. So when people realize because you've gotten saved, you change and you acting different and you acting peculiar, you need to praise the Lord. Stop trying to qualify yourself before them. Just thank God. Amen. A peculiar people and zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So, <laughs> glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, Lord, just give us courage to be able, when we're operating in godliness and righteousness, to speak, rebuke, exhort with all authority. Amen? Okay, now, um, let's go back and uh, dissect these scriptures. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. All right? Now, this means God isn't just concerned with the United States being saved, 
but for all nations to be saved, men everywhere. For the whole world is who he, who is who Jesus went to the cross for. He didn't go for just the people in the United States of America. Okay. So um, he went for, for all men in the whole world. And that means he went to the cross for and the reason for warfare in countries is and always will be until Jesus return because of the spiritual differences and the light between light and dark because light and dark cannot mix. What am I saying? That we are having wars and rumors of wars because it is a spiritual war. Jesus came to set the captives free. All right. So the problem is not culture. The problem is belief. Okay. We, the United States of America, has been blessed to have been founded on biblical truths that puts us ahead of other countries. Therefore, too much is given, much is required. So he expects for us to uh, evangelize, revolutionize other countries. Okay? We cannot sit back and say that's their business and we don't need to get involved in it because all humanity is God's business. And when he has given us the privilege and the freedom and the opportunity and the liberation to know him and to know what he's done for us, he anticipates or expects for us, he commands us to pass that information on to other people to come into that same knowledge, okay? And so the battle is... Again, light and dark cannot mix. So if I'm a believer and somebody else isn't a believer, then the only way that we can mix is they put out my light or I remove the darkness. Okay? Now, Christians are saved by grace and faith in the cross of the blood of Jesus Christ. And that has a complete different view that is a complete different view from the world. The world doesn't believe that. The world can't believe that. Okay, because it takes faith and grace. The grace is the Holy Spirit begin to draw you. So you were put in a place to hear the message he was sending to you to awaken your spirit to come alive to who he is. Okay, if that doesn't happen then natural, worldly, carnal people cannot comprehend what Jesus has done for us, okay? So that's where we have the light and the dark. Now, because of that, we, Jesus said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. And, and though natural man is saying we're fighting due to all or property, or whatever their natural reasons are, but the real reason is spiritual, okay? Now, we're going to go through a whole lot of different scriptures. That's why I couldn't get any further than those first few verses in, uh, in Titus. Now, um, when, when I looked up the word for war or, or wars, it shows up only 13 times in the Bible, okay? And also, uh, let me see, I found out the Greek meaning of it. Okay, it, it means armed conflicts among nations. Armed conflicts among nations. Now, we know so many nations are um, undeveloped, ignorant of of. of, of anything concerning Jesus Christ. So how do they get to, to know that? And the more they know, it means the freer they become, and the freer they become, the less power the government have to keep them in bondage and ignorance and in and, and slavery and in lack. 
Okay. All right. Let's go over to um, Luke 21. Now, uh, we're going to be going through a lot of scriptures, so you may want to write them down and, and just be prepared because that's what we're going to do today. Luke 21, and we're going to read verses 8 through 19. And all of these verses I'm going to take you to, through in the next three epistles is Jesus speaking. And he's speaking on behalf of deceivers, wars, and disasters. And he said, take heed that you be not deceived, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and the time draweth near. Go ye not therefore after them. Okay, now, why would Jesus tell them to take heed if people are coming in his name? Because everybody that comes in the name of Jesus is not coming with the doctrine of Jesus Christ. Okay, and so they will have you off course and deceived uh, following the wrong thing and expecting the wrong thing and, and missing what your purpose is all about here on earth. Okay, he says, but when you shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified for these things, for they must come to pass. But the end is not by and by. They have to come. Why? Dark and light cannot mix. <laughs> then said he unto them, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And great earthquakes shall be in diverse place and famines and pestilence and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. But before all these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and into prisons, being brought before kings and rulers for, for my name's sake, and it shall turn to you for a testimony. Uh, uh, I guess I'm the only person that's so excited about this. Because they may be able to destroy your body, but they can't mess with your soul. Settle it, therefore, in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist. Why? Because when you go in the name of Jesus with his spirit leading and guiding you, you don't have to have to have prepared a speech. The Holy Spirit already know in advance what you're going to be coming up against. And he knows what he wants them to hear and how it needs to be said. Hallelujah, Jesus. And you shall be betrayed both by parents and brethren and kinsfolks and friends, and some of you shall they cause to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my namesake. They hated him. And who are we? But there shall not a hair of your head perish. And your patience possesses your soul. Glory. Hallelujah, Jesus. Okay, go over to Mark 13. Mark 13, and we're going to read verses 5 through uh, 11. Again, he's talking about the signs of the end times, wars and rumors of wars. And Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And when you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be earthquakes in diverse places, and there shall be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues you shall be beaten and you should be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony against them and the gospel must first be published among all nations mm. but when they shall lead you and deliver you up take no thought beforehand what you shall speak neither do you premeditate but whatsoever should be given you in that hour that speak ye for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Amen. Go over to Matthew 24. What a mighty God we serve. But the question is, are you serving him? 
Or are you just sitting in church? Amen? <laughs> okay, Matthew 24, and let's go with verse 4. And we're going to read 4 through um, 14, okay? So, again, Jesus is speaking. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. He, he keep telling, you, telling us about being deceived. That means because we can easily be deceived. That's why we have to be on our P's and Q's and weigh everything with what God is saying in his word. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. Lord, you revealed to me, is this coming from you, coming from the devil, or coming from my intellect? Which is your old nature. <laughs> okay. He says, for many shall come in my name saying I'm Christ and shall deceive many and you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise again, nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there should be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers place. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you and you should be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another. Now he's talking about people in the church who professes to be the same and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Because as soon as persecution come, you're going to see who the remnant are. Because <laughs> it's so easy to get on board with, with the, the, the government and the world's way in order for you to think your life is going to be preserved. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. So we should be about the business of preaching the gospel to everyone and it getting out to all nations. That is not left up for pastors. That's for every believer. Because when you leave out of the, your home or the church building, you should be a walking epistle. And you should be declaring, and more now than ever, than ever before. Okay, stay in Matthew. Let's go over to chapter 10. And like the, um, the Lord told him in the book of Acts, start at home and then go abroad. Okay, Matthew 10, verses 32 and 42. It's just, it's just more evidence of how light and dark doesn't mix, and God is not concerned about your relations. He's only concerned about the light, because we will put our family relations above God's principles. Okay, so um, Matthew 10, beginning with verse 32. It says, Whosoever therefore should confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. So, you know, uh, you cannot say you're for, for Christ, but when you're being challenged about what you believe and what you stand for, I'm not going to take it deep. Just by some of your family members that you want to stay in good with, now, do you declare what God has to say about the situation, or are you just going along for the sake of peace? And, and, and that's their lives. They want to live it, then that's fine. As a born-again believer, do you know what you just said? You have gone against your Savior. When you say that, You've gone against your Savior, so therefore, you have a need that you've been praying for. And Jesus just said, well, since you didn't confess me among men, I can't take your prayer to my Father and say, remember the blood? The blood that says, by his stripes you're healed. 
the blood that says his peace shall become upon you. The blood that says you've been delivered from oppression. The blood that says you are healed, whole, delivered, changed. So when you have a prayer need, then your prayer is going up to the ceiling and coming back down because you refuse to stand for who you say you believe in. Because you just don't want your family to know or you don't want to upset them. If they're going to be upset, that's all the more reason you need to be running your mouth. Because that's letting you know they don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I'm talking about those who go to church on a regular basis. And maybe even doing some little work in the building. Okay. He says, okay, let me go back to 33. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. Listen to this. Think not that I come to send peace on earth. I come not to send peace, but a sword. That's why there's always going to be war and rumors of wars. Because God's word is a divider. And it separates darkness from light. Truth from lies. And he says, I didn't come to bring a little ooh, a happy peace. I come to bring a division, a war, until you all come together in unity and perfect peace in him. Amen. He says, I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. See, this is not a relational problem. This is a spiritual problem. And a man's foes should be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. What is your cross? The ministry. You think your cross is bearing because you got a wayward child. Can't find a job. Want a spouse. Those are not crosses. Jacked up, messed up. Those are not crosses. Those are situations that you gain by a choice that you made one day. <laughs> your cross is the ministry. That's the cross, the same cross that Jesus picked up and had to carry to Calvary. What's going on in our family lives is not a cross from God. It is your choices that you made. And, and the majority of them was done without even seeking God. What am I talking about? Ch people you chose to marry. Choices that you made and how you're going to raise your children. None of which you sought the Lord. And you reap the consequences of what you sown. So he's not, he's not talking about that because he says, I've come to deliver you from all of that. All you got to do is humble yourself before me, acknowledge your ways, and say, I want to be better. I want to do differently. I don't want to be the same. Forgive me and take the consequences off of my offsprings. The cross that we have to bear, that only we can bear through the power of the Holy Ghost, is ministry. So when you decide to step out, speak up. The Holy Spirit is there with you, supporting you, upholding you. And even if some of those folks go against you and don't want to have anything else to do with you, that's okay. Pray, because God will turn that around. Okay, wait a minute. Let me, let me finish reading to prove my point. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He that taketh not his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. That means people who are looking for everything on this side of heaven to make you comfortable, happy. 
and satisfied, you're going to lose it. Okay? He that loses his life for my sake shall find it. He that give up all of that to live for Christ will find life eternally and everlasting. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man reward. Now, and whosoever should give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall no wise lose his reward. Just the little, the least of what you do in ministry, you will not lose your reward. When you give up all these family folks that you need to give up because you can't fix them, you can't change them, you can't rearrange them, you can't do anything about for them but pray for them, but you better be in a righteous state if you want to see your prayers answered. He says, any of you give up any of them that you won't, you can't give up nothing that I won't give back to you a hundredfold. So you ain't giving up nothing. <laughs> you just taking a little vacation because you couldn't do nothing about it. But God said, when you, see, when you give it up like that, you're giving it to God because you've done all that you can do. Then he says, I will give it back to you a hundredfold, which means he'll give you back that person and they're better than they were before birth. So you, you, so you, you, you see why we have wars go over to James 4 he served such a good God a faithful God and a just God James 4 um, verse verse 1 from whence cometh come wars and fightings among you come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members James is talking to the church. He's talking to the church right now that there's wars among believers because, because there's lust in our members, which means in, 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 in our eyes, our, our, our mouth, and all of this stuff that we have not been delivered from. And because we have not been delivered from them, then in this same body, then there is war that's going on because light and dark don't mix. Amen. So that's why it behooves you to listen and not take the position because you know Christ and, and, and living with the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit that no one can speak into your life uh, when they see things because God is pointing some things out to them or you are operating in error and you know you're operating in error because you wouldn't be so arrogant and vain when it's pointed out to you to not receive it. You see, we only rise up uh, when the truth has been pointed out because the truth makes you angry when you refuse to receive it. Because if it's a lie, you know what you do? You just laugh at it. I remember uh, just last year, a saint came to me and wanted to read me the riot act and, and make some accusations that were definitely not true. So <laughs> the Lord was leading me and not let me go back to the old nature. Praise his holy name. <laughs> and I sat and I listened. And because I'm sitting and listening, I think they thought, oh, I got her. So then they got all happy. They go, oh, shut up, cut somebody then I said, and I sat back in my chair. I says, when they got through, you got the interpretation for that? What? You got the interpretation for what you just said? No, that's the Lord speaking to me. Well, help me to understand. So I need to know what he's saying. I said, it's okay. It's, it's, it's fine. I thank you. And I love you. Peace be with you. And of course, the truth came out. 
humility came up, and an apology came forth. You, you, you see what I'm saying? It, it would have been a disaster if the old nature had been sitting in that chair. And, and I just sat there with a smile on my face the whole time. But I guess, too, because it's like, I can't even believe this. But you know what? It was an unclean spirit that was leading. But because they're saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and all of that, they just assume what was coming forth was coming from the Lord. I don't care how long you've been saved and how well you speak in tongues. There's another spirit that's going to pop up sometime. And everything that comes forth is not coming from the Holy Spirit. I know personally. Okay? And, and furthermore, while I'm on this subject, and I'm going to get back to the thing, the Holy Spirit comes in the form of tongues to exhort you, to edify you, to lift you up personally. Also, to inform you of something that you need to know, and then afterwards he'll give you the interpretation. It is not for you to speak to me in that language. It's to be prayed. Now, the only other time that it comes out where you're to speak out a prophecy uh, in that language because you're, you're, you're somebody, first of all, if it's among people who speak the same language you speak, somebody needs to be present. If you can't interpret it, well, somebody better be able to interpret what you just said. Otherwise, it is spoken in another foreign country language that they don't understand English, but God is speaking to them, and they get to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying, and you don't have a clue about what you said in order to evangelize them and to bring them to the Lord. So we pray in tongues to edify. Amen? But not to um, show off or just arbitrarily. See, people say, well, you can't control it. There are times when, yes, you can control it. The only time that you can't control it is when you're in God's perfect will place doing what he said to do, and you don't know what you're talking about. But outside of that, you can control it. Don't tell me you can't control it. I have controlled it many times when I know I'm not in the place. You know, the spirit comes on you, and, and then I shriek back, and I do just up under my breath because the Lord is trying to inform me of something or warn me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, okay, back to our subject matter. <laughs> um, let's go back to the to the scriptures of Titus, because I I I um, I want to talk about the grace of God. Okay. So, because it starts out saying, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation, have appeared to all men. God's grace is a reward, reward as a result of our salvation in Jesus Christ. For he will never ask us to do something in or by our flesh, that his grace will not appear to accomplish it. So, we're not doing it. He's doing it through us. Amen. And he certainly don't show up for you to be emotional. Okay, I'll read it again. God's grace is a reward as a result of our salvation in Jesus Christ. For he will never ask us to do something in or by our flesh that his grace will not appear to accomplish it. He will he will, he will even deliver us from emotionalism when we ask for it. Now, Paul, is all, as always, re, is reminding Titus what he had also spoken to Timothy, that when we deny ungodliness and worldly lust, God's grace will assist you in living soberly, righteously, and godly in a world or age of today that denies 
uh, 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 God's morals. So when you say, well, I can't, I tried. No, oh, yes, you can. No, you can't in you, but it can be done when you surrender and submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave us the Holy Spirit to enable us, to comfort us, to guide us, to lead us, and to do all the things in us, through us, that we cannot do. The problem is we're not depending on his spirit. We're depending on our own flesh. And the Bible have already told us there is no good thing in the flesh. So we need to learn to trust in God. And when you speak it out, God is there to help you. He stopped saying what you've been accustomed to doing all of your life. And thinking it has to be because this is how it has been. No, when you got born again, he says, all things has passed away. All things have become new. you become a new creation in him. So why are you trying to still be like you used to be? Why are you talking the way you used to talk? Why are you going to the places you used to go to? Who are you trying to impress? The Lord or your friends? Yes, you're supposed to be different. You don't come to Christ and still act the fool you were acting beforehand. Your desires can change. If you were whatever you were desiring some stuff before Christ, if you want that to change, he'll take it from you. Why do you think he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling? You make the first step to be, and the Lord will make many more to do. You got to approach him. It isn't magical, but it is guaranteed. The results are due to Jesus being our savior because of our faith of the cross, which was prophesied in Ezekiel. You know, you cannot be saying, well, if God wants them changed, he'll change them. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God wants everybody change. He wants this whole world change and come unto him. If he wants them change, he is trying to wake you up to speak, to say, to do that will awaken their dead souls to a new life. The same way he woke your behind up. Because somebody was praying and someone was speaking even though you didn't get it at that time, it was being laid up as a seed planted. And then someone else later on came and watered the seed and God brought the increase. Let's go over to Ezekiel 37 where it was prophesied. We, we, I think probably we need to get out of the mindset that Christianity is church. Church is the result of Christianity. And we got, you know, we got, got it Mixed, mixed up. We got the church before Christianity. Uh-uh. Christianity determines the unity, the perfection, the faith, all of that in Christ, which makes the church as a result. And we become one in Christ together. But going into a building don't make you a Christian. Okay. Um, Ezekiel 37, uh, verse 23 says, it says, neither shall they defile themselves anymore with the idols. Okay, uh, I guess I need to kind of really build this up because this, this, this is the time when there's like two kingdoms going. God was the king of the Israelites, but they wasn't satisfied, just like we're never satisfied with anything. So he gives them judges. Okay. So as a result, this is, this is what uh, Ezekiel was prophesying. Neither shall they defile themselves anymore with their idols, nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. But I will save them out of all of their dwelling places wherein they have sinned, and will cleanse them, so shall they be my people, and I will be their God. Now, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go back and, 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 and read even more because we need to talk about that. So we need to um, not stay settled in our old same thoughts and behavior. 
because either you you because either you do not believe that God wants to change you or you or that he can't change you or do not feel it is necessary to be changed because if he wanted me to be different he would have done it <laughs> no 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 see those are the characteristics of Satan. Satan goes against your will, not the Lord. God can do anything but fail. And he does not want you to stay in the same mindset that you were in before you invited him to live in your heart. He wants your mind, your soul. He wants all of you. He says that, the, love me with your whole heart. Not a portion. Not a Sunday, Wednesday. With your whole heart. With your mind. With your body. With your soul. He wants all of us. He wants us to be sold out to him. So that he can use us to make a difference. And his light. The glory light of Jesus Christ. Will just shine automatically through you. And people will be coming up asking you. What must I do to be saved? You know what? If the light is shining. And you're doing what you're supposed to do. Then when some of your foolish relatives have something to say, they would be like, well, what can I do to change to be more like you? Or what has happened? You're, you're, you're different. What has happened? Open door. Jesus saved me. It has nothing to do with who I'm with, who I'm living with, who I'm married to, what church I go to. None of that. Jesus and the same thing he's done for me, he can do for you. Now, let me tell you some of the stuff he did for me. When you start, when you start testifying about how, what I used to do, but now I don't do it any longer. I used to smoke marijuana. I used to get drunk. I used to whore around. I used to lie. Whatever it is, when you start declaring, I used to do, but now I have no desire to do it. God has done a new thing in me. They cannot leave in peace. They may leave, but they will not have any peace. You've stirred up something to start them to thinking. But you can't handle them in the world's way and think they're going to see Jesus and come to Jesus. So you don't talk yang and rap or whatever you be doing that sounds good, that sounds like who you used to be. Because if that's who you are, you are not saved. If you are still steeped in who you used to be before Christ, you are not saved, brother, sister. So you need to start asking God to come into your heart and reveal to you who he is. God doesn't force us to do anything or to be anything he wants us to be. He will let your bad old sinful nature decisions bring you down low enough where you will begin to listen to the voices he has sent to you with his word. Now, we're going to stay in Ezekiel, but we're going to go to 21 and read up to 28. The kingdom becomes one. This is what this is all about. And say unto them, thus said the Lord God, behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen. That's unbelievers. Whether they be gone and will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land. Now, this is to the Israelites who have a covenant relationship with our Lord and Savior because he chose it. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be king to them all. And they shall be no more two nations. Neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all. Do y'all hear the prophetic word in here? This is just not for Israel. This is for any of us who became saved and don't and get on board with his covenant people. Israel. Because God said, I didn't come to divide the nations and have them divided forever just until their eyes open up to the light and come into one accord. I came to save the nations. 
neither shall they defile themselves any more with their idols, nor with the detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions. Idols, beliefs, protest, organizations. I have a real issue when I see on a church building or in the church ground, Black Lives Matter. Now I'm going to keep on reading and hopefully you'll understand it. Nor with their detestable things, nor with any of their transgressions, but I will save them out of all of their dwelling places wherein they have sinned and will cleanse them. So shall they be my people and I will be their God. And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and they shall all have one shepherd. They shall also walk in my judgments and observe my statues and do them. And they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. And they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever. My servant David shall be their prince forever." Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. It shall be an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them and multiply them and will set my sanctuary in the midst of them forever. Did he not tell Abraham that he would give him seed, the children, that was more than the seeds that you can count on the beach? That's us. And my, my tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. Why do we support Israel? Do you know who you are in Christ? Not do you know what church you are a member of. Do you know what your purpose is on earth? Not the little, little odd good deed works that you do. That's just part of some manifestation. That is not the call. We have been called. Oh, glory, hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go over to Matthew. The call is far greater than what you expect. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, another word for that is all authority, is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them. This baptism is not talking about water emerging baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, where they understand the whole deity of Christ, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What did he say? Go and teach all nations. That's our purpose. Why you think, oh, that's the pastor's job. That's a believer's job. Mark 16, verse 15. And he said unto them, go ye into all the world, not the United States of America only, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Why? Because when you're going to go into other world and other cultures, you got to have some power to withstand some of the idol worshiping and some of the demonic things that they do. <clears throat> he says, in my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He's not saying do these things here in the United States as an outward sign that you belong to me. You what? You're testing God with that kind of craziness. Well, he said, if I drink any deadly thing, I'll be. No, he's talking about when you go out among the nations where you're going, your life is going to be threatened by the forces and, and, and by the atmosphere and the agriculture and the people. 
You go in my name to do what I called you to do. And then these things will not overtake you and kill you unless it's time and I'm ready for you to come home. That's what he's telling us. We don't have enough guts to do it right here in our own homes with our own family, least long going to another nation. Okay, the Lord uses those who have to help those without. The Lord uses those who have to help those without. The Lord uses those who have to help those without. As a free nation and a nation who has the truth, the light, and the life of Jesus Christ, we must proclaim to every nation and every people and to win their ear no matter if they are in and our nation or not, a people who are suffering. And you must address their need first in order to get their ear to hear the truth. So, if we are going to send money to other nations to help with their economy, then when they have to face war, why don't we send our armed forces to go help save that country from being destroyed. That scripture that I just read to you out of Mark and, and, um, and, and Matthew about go ye therefore, this is after Jesus rose from the dead. <laughs> and he says, I didn't come here defeat all of the oppression that you're going to face in this world and nail it on the cross, then give, give up my life and come down off the cross, not dead, as you know dead, and then be buried in a ground, defeat darkness and the grave, and then change, take off the old nature and be glorified with a new wardrobe, come up out of the grave, rise up and ascend unto heaven and sit on the right-hand side of the Father and then leave you to suffer and leave you powerless that you can't tell what you receive in your heart by faith and by grace to other folks that can set them free to be able to do the same thing that you do and so on and so on and so on. Greater things will you do than I do. The greater is there's more of us. God is not looking for little cute churchy stuff. He is looking for believers who believe him, who trust him, who's ready to give their lives up for him to change this world. Because it's not how he created it. It is not what he's expecting out of it. And we need to stop sitting around thinking, God fixed this. God changed that. He says, I've given you the authority in my name. What are you going to do? When you make a stand and you decide you're going to do it, he comes by your side and work it all through you. He'll do it through you. He's just waiting for some people to rise up and say, here I am. Use me. Instead of always talking about God, God. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Whimpering and begging and pleading. You don't even have to beg. He says, ask in faith, but just keep on thanking him like you've already received it. If you're constantly begging, that's because you don't believe you can receive. Oh, God, help me. You know it's hard here. He's like, yeah, I know. I'm God. Do you know why? Do you know why it's hard? Do you know why you're facing what you're facing? That's what you need to be trying to find out. So God, if there's something you need to fix in me, change, or I want to release it and let it go. Just start with me first. Then maybe you can fix the, 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 the other stuff. My children. My spouses, my job, whatever. But let's start right here.
and get right. All right, the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I pray for traveling mercies as you leave here and go to your next destination. I pray that the Holy Spirit will awaken in you the holy boldness to declare that Jesus is Lord so you can tell somebody about him. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, George Washington Carver. Oh, glory. Okay. It says, George Washington Carver, 1864, and died in 1943. An agricultural chemist of international fame introduces hundreds of uses for the peanut, sorrel bean, pecan, and sweet potato. This revolutionized the economy of the South since these crops replenished the soil. Now, I, I don't know nothing about farming and stuff. Did y'all know that? Mm -hmm, I didn't think so. <laughs> which had become depleted through years of cotton growth. They had us picking cotton, <laughs> and the soil is dying, okay. After his mother was kidnapped when he was an infant, George Washington Carver was raised by Uncle Moses and Aunt Sue Carver. Being a poor health as a child, he spent much time around the house and in the woods. He later went to school and... Neil Show, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, Missouri. Then in Kansas, he graduated from Iowa State College of Agriculture and Mechanical Arts. George Washington Carver was also an accomplished artist. One of his paintings, the Yucca, received an honorable mention at the 1893 Chicago World's Fair. In 1896, he gave up his faculty position at Iowa State College of Agriculture to join Booker T. Washington, president of the newly founded Tuskegee Institute in Alabama. He made many medical contributions, including pinol and a cure for infantile paralysis. His discovery from the peanut over 300, the sweet potato over 118, as well as from the sore bean, etc., included cosmetics, face powder, lotion, shaving cream, vinegar, cold cream, printer's ink, salad oil, rubbing oil, instant coffee, leather stains from mahogany to blue, synthetic tapioca and egg yolk, flour, paints, non-toxic colors from, from which crayons were eventually created. Henry Ford became personal friends with Dr. Carver, being fascinated with his method of deriving rubber from milkweed. But Mr. Ford tried many times to get Dr. Carver to join him in business, but Carver was committed to helping his people and the South. Mr. Ford built a duplicate of Dr. Carver's birthplace at his Dearborn village and built a school for children named George Washington Carver School. George Washington Carver was visited at Tuskegee Institute by Vice President Calvin Coolidge and by President Franklin D. Roosevelt. He became a confidant and advisor to leaders and scientists from all over the world, ranging from uh, Thomas Edison to Gandhi. Edison had also offered him a position with a six-figure income, but Carver turned it down. That's real character. In the summer of 1920, the Young Men's Christian Association of Blue Ridge, North Carolina, invited Professor Carver to speak at their summer school for the southern states. Dr. Willis D. Weather Weatherford, president of Blue Ridge, introduced Professor Carver as a speaker. Carver, with his high voice, surprised the audience as he exclaimed humorously, I always look forward to introductions as an opportunity to learn something about myself. <laughs> he continued, years ago, I went into my laboratory and said, Dear Mr. Creator, please tell me what the universe was made for. The Creator answered, You want to know too much for that little mind of yours. Ask for something more your size, little man. Then I asked, Please, Mr. Creator, tell me what man was made for. Again, the great creator replied, You are still asking too much. Cut down on the extent and improve the intent.
So then I asked, please, Mr. Creator, will you tell me why the peanut was made? That's better. But even then, it's infinite. What do you want to know about the peanut? Mr. Which is all he had to do in the first place. Tell me about the peanut. Mr. Creator, can I make milk out of the peanut? What kind of milk do you want? Good Jersey milk or just plain bordering house milk? Good Jersey milk. And then the great creator taught me to take the peanut apart and put it together again. And out of the process have come forth all these products. <clears throat> Among the numerous products displayed was a bottle of good Jersey milk. Three and a half ounces of peanuts produce one pound of rich milk and one quart of bordering house Blue John. In 1921, George Washington Carver accepted the invitation to address the United States Senate Ways and Means Committee in Washington, D.C. concerning the potential use of the peanut and other new crops to improve the economy of the South. Initially giving only 10 minutes to speak, but he instantly enthralled the committee so much that the chairman said, go ahead, brother, your time is unlimited. <laughs> Carver spoke for one hour and 45 minutes. At the end of his address, the chairman of the committee asked, Dr. Carver, how did you learn all of these things? Carver answered, from an old book. What book? Asked the senator. Carver replied, the Bible. The senator inquired, does the Bible tell about peanuts? No, sir, Dr. Carver replied, but it tells about the God who made the peanut. That's a good tidbit for prayer, folks. I asked him to show me what to do with the peanut, and he did. George Washington Carver named his laboratory God's Little Workshop and never took any scientific textbooks into it. He merely asked God how to perform his experiments. On November 19, 1924, having accepted the invitation of the Women's Board of Domestic Missions to speak in New York City's Marble Kojic Church, Dr. Carver declared before the 500 people assembled, God is going to reveal to us through things he never revealed before if we put our hands in his. No books ever go into my laboratory. The thing I am to do and the way of doing it are revealed to me. I never have to group, grope for methods. The method is revealed to me the moment I am inspired to create something new. Without God to draw aside this certain, I would be helpless. He, this is a person who depended on God and trusted in what he had to tell him. He would lock the door behind him when he went into his laboratory as he confided. Only alone can I draw close enough to God to discover his secrets. George Washington Carver had developed a lifelong friendship with Jim Harwick from the Virginia Poly, Poly, Polytechnic Institute. Jim's brother's Jim's brother, Harry Hardwick, had become the head football coach of the U.S. Naval Academy. During one of Jim's Hardwick's visit to Tuskegee Institute in 1928, he asked Dr. Carver to share some of his observations about God. George Washington Carver responded, As a very small boy exploring the almost virgin woods of the old carpet place, I had the impression someone had just been there ahead of me. Things were so orderly, so clean, so harmoniously beautiful. A few years later, in the same woods, I was to understand the meaning of this boyish impression because I was practically overwhelmed with the sense of some great presence. Not only had someone been there, someone was there. Years later, when I read in the scripture, in him we live and move and have our being, I knew what the writer meant. Never since have I been without the consciousness of the Creator speaking to me. The out of doors has been to, to me more and more a great cathedral in which God could be continuously spoken to and heard from. Man who needed a purpose, a mission to keep him alive, have one. He could be God's co-worker. My attitude toward life was also my attitude toward science. Jesus said, one must be born again, 
must become as a little child. He must let no laziness, no fear, no stubbornness keep him from his duty. If he were born again, he would see life from such a plane. He would have the energy not to be impeded in his duty by these various side trackers and inhabitants. My work, my life must be in the spirit of a little child seeking only to know the truth and follow it. My purpose alone must be God's purpose to increase the welfare and happiness of his people. Nature will not permit a vacuum. It will be filled with something. Human need is really a great spiritual vacuum which God seeks to fill. With one hand in the hand of a fellow man in need and the other in the hand of Christ, he could get a across the vacuum and became an, an agent. Then the passage, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, can to have re came to have real meaning. As I worked on projects which fulfill a real human need forces were working through me, which amazed me. I would often go to sleep with an apparently insoluble problem. When I awoke, the answer was there. Why then should we who believe in Christ be so surprised at what God can do with a willing man in a laboratory? Some things must be baffled to the critic who has never been born again. By nature, I am a conserver. I have found nature to be a conserver. Nothing is wasted or permanently lost in nature. Things change their form, but they do not cease to exist. That's what happens with us when we leave here as a believer. We change our form, but we still exist. We don't die. After I leave this world, I do not believe I am through. God will be a bigger fool than, than even a man if he, had did not, if he did not conserve, conserve what seems to be the most important thing he has yet done in the universe. This kind of reasoning may aid the young. When you get your grip on the last rung of the ladder and look over the wall as I am now doing, you don't need their proofs. You see, you know you will not die. In 1939, George Washington Carver was awarded the Roosevelt Medal with the declaration. To a scientist humbly seeking the guidance of God and a liberator to men of the white race as well as the black. That was what was on that award. George Washington Carver remarked, the secret of my success, it is simple. It is found in the Bible. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. What are they going to say at your funeral? Will they be able to say what a difference you made? See, I, I, I hate funerals. And, and, and don't get up there reading my obituary, talking about she went to school here, she did that, she did that, married. Uh, 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 uh. All I want them to say is she loved the Lord and you knew it and she made a difference in the world because of that. Forget the dumb stuff. Amen.